morning, everyone. Good to uh, be back here. And I uh, was looking, and today being uh, June 30th, we have the 4th of July coming up soon. So I figured before we get into scripture, uh, start us off with a little bit of an American history quiz. So uh, on 4th of July, we, we celebrate uh, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Does anyone know what year that was signed? 1776 is what I, heard, I think I heard from most people. Okay, good. Now, the war, the actual Revolutionary War started with the battles of Lexington and Concord. Does anyone know what year those battles were fought? 75, I missed who said it, but 75, yes. So 1775, the war was started. Now, the war ended with the Treaty of Paris being signed. Does anyone know what year that happened? 83, yes, 1783. And so if we look at the timeline kind of, you know, in our heads, we have 1775, the war started. A year later, you know, the war started in the beginning. The Americans, you know, we weren't sure if we wanted to really be independent or if this was just kind of a protest and we were going to reconcile with the King of England. But a year later, it was decided that we were going to declare independence. And so in 1776, independence was declared. And then there was a long period of fighting as the Americans fought to drive the British out of the colonies. And so that lasted until 1783 when the war ended. Now the reason I'm bringing all this up is because in a manner of speaking, or a certain way of looking at it, the birth of our nation parallels our own spiritual journey. We were all born under a king. We were all born into sin. Sin ruled in our lives. And then the Lord worked in us and started to bring us to a point where we started to doubt, we started to wonder, you know, do I, really, do I really want to be living this life? Is this really the path that I want to go down of following sin? And so these, these battles, these battles start to be fought within us. And then the Lord continues to work in us and brings us to a point where we say, no, no, I'm not going to live for sin. I want to live for Jesus. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And that day, that day is our Independence Day that we say, no longer am I a slave, am I a servant to sin. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Now, we all know that once that happens, it's not like, you know, a magic wand has been waved and our lives are easy and clear and, and smooth from there on out. Even after declaring our independence from sin, we still have sin in our lives, just as the British were still in the land, and we have to fight, we have to struggle to remove that sin, to push that temptation out of our lives. Now, in the end, when Christ comes again, we will be completely free. We will be completely uh, separated from sin, and sin will be done away with. But until that time comes, as we're here on this earth, we're going to have to keep on fighting, keep on battling against sin. And so freedom is an important concept, whether it's you know, politically or much more important spiritually when we look at our freedom from sin. And so with that in mind, uh, today I want to be looking at Romans chapter 6. And so if you could all open your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, um, we will look at what the Lord has for us this morning. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that we can just gather together this morning and worship your holy name. And Father, we pray now that as we look at scripture that you would open our hearts and minds to your truths, that you would use your word to encourage us, to, to edify us, Lord, and just to direct us along the paths that you would have us go, Lord. We yield ourselves to you and we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 
So in Romans 6, I want to focus uh, primarily on the second half of the chapter. And so we're going to start at verse 15. In verse 15, Paul writes, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness, in the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So we have Paul presenting this, this idea, this concept of freedom, of freedom from sin. And so I'd understand that there's a few key points that we need to look at. The first one is that we are all sinners. As we see in verse 20 here, Paul says, for when you were slaves of sin. He doesn't write for when some of you were slaves of sin or a few of you were slaves of sin, but for when you, when you all were slaves of sin. And we're all born as slaves of sin. We all have sinned, we've all fallen short. You know, Paul writes in, back in chapter 3 in Romans that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us can honestly say that we've never sinned, that we've never made a mistake, that we've never been disobedient to God. We're all sinners. But the second point we need to know is that we've been set free. And this is shown in verse 22. It says, but now having been set free from sin. And the, the key point there is that we are set free, that we don't achieve freedom by ourselves. We don't earn freedom. We don't escape from the clutches of sin, but rather we are set free through Jesus. Acts 13, it's written, it says, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. And the third thing we need to know when we look at freedom of sin is that when we talk about freedom of sin, we're not talking about the complete and utter removal of sin. Being free from sin doesn't mean that you never have to worry about temptation, that you're in the free and the clear, that you're never you know, going to make a mistake again. That's not what Paul's looking at here. If we look at the context, it's very clear that Paul's talking to the people where they were, and the issue was that these people had been set free, but yet they were still struggling with sin. And so as I said before, when Christ comes again, Sin will be removed once and for all, but until then, as we live our lives, even though we've been set free, we are still vulnerable to going back into sin. We're still vulnerable to going back and serving our old master. And so with that in mind, we need to look at who is ruling in our life. Is it sin? And if it is sin, if we've looked at Jesus and said, you know what, I'm not really sure how I feel about that, I, I you know, don't know about this whole Christianity thing, well, then it would be understandable that you would be living a life of sin, and there would be sin in your life, and that's not a surprise at all. But if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, 
then Paul, what Paul's calling for is for your actions to match your status. If your status is that you are a free person, free from sin, then your actions and behaviors should match that. Your actions and behaviors shouldn't be going back to serve your old master, to serve sin, but rather you should act like you're free. And so the first, uh, there's three main takeaways that I want us to have this morning. The first one is that we need, that we should all live like we're free. You should live like you're free. You have been made free from sin, and so we need to behave in such a way that we do that. Galatians 5 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. There's an interesting story that I read, and the story's about uh, uh, Reynolds III, and I might be mispronouncing that name, but uh, Reynolds was a duke in Belgium hundreds of years ago, and he was a very hefty man, very fat man, was just a huge guy, and would just have all, you know, sorts of food brought to him, and just eat it, eat it, eat it. The man loved his food. Unfortunately, Reynolds and his brother, younger brother Edward, didn't get along, and so Edward started a revolt and overthrew his older brother. Now, he didn't kill Reynolds. He took Reynolds, he put him in a castle, and he had his people build a wall around Reynolds, and that wall had windows and had doors, you know, all normal-sized, because he knew that Reynolds was such a big man, such a heavy man, that he couldn't fit through a normal-sized door. And so he said to Reynolds, he said, anytime you want, you can walk out of this door. I will not lock it. You can walk out of this door. You can take your crown and have your position back, and I will follow you. But he knew his brother, and so he had all the chefs and cooks and bakers bake all his favorite foods and all these pies and cakes and, and decadent foods, and every day had, you know, these huge piles of food brought into Reynolds. And every day, Reynolds would look at the food, and he would eat it. And so despite having the ability to be free and to walk out that door, and all he had to do was just cut back on the food, oh, he loved his food, so he just kept on eating, and if anything, got heavier and heavier, and was never able to walk through that door. And so this went on for about 10 years until Edward, his younger brother, eventually died in battle. At that point, the, the servants came and broke down the walls and let Reynolds out. Unfortunately, by that time, he had been so, eating so much and had become so unhealthy that he died less than a year later. And we, we hear that story, and it sounds kind of crazy, you know, there's this whole idea of this guy not, you know, having, sit, you know, having freedom right there. And all he has to do is just to, to step aside, to, to stop, eating for a little bit, just eat less, and then he can have his crown back. And it sounds crazy, but in the same way, that's what happens to us with sin, is that God has set us free from sin, but we just so enjoy, so love, we're just in such a habit of, of, of sinning, of, of living the life that we've lived in the past, of just indulging ourselves, that we focus on that, and we, we eat up food, and we just eat up sin, rather than walking through the door that God has prepared for us. And so we need to live like we're free. If we've been set free from sin, we need to let go of the struggle, of, of the sins that we struggle with. And that can be in all different areas. It can be, you know, addictions with, with drugs, with alcohol, with, with pornography. Uh, even, you know, social media has been shown to be addictive and cause mental and emotional issues. We need to let go of our pride, which in turn leads us to anger, leads us to jealousy and to bitterness. 
We need to stop neglecting God, neglecting times of prayer, times of Bible study, times of worship, of fellowshipping together with other believers, of witnessing to those who don't know the Lord. We need to ensure that we're not neglecting family, that we're not dishonoring our parents, that we're not failing to care for our spouses and our children. Last time I was here, we looked at Colossians 3, and in Colossians 3, Paul writes, he says, put to death what is earthly in you. And so Paul, in this section here in Romans 6, one of the key points he's trying to make is that we are not to take sin lightly. And it starts off in verse 15, and Paul asks a question. He says, shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. And that's a temptation that a lot of people have. They, they hear this, oh, yeah, Jesus died for your sins, you're forgiven, you're going to heaven. And it's easy to think, oh, well, that's good. So because my sins are forgiven, then, well, hey, might as well just sin some more and enjoy it if it's going to be forgiven anyways. And that's, you know, kind of the outlook is that, that Paul's trying to address here that the people had is that people were just taking sin lightly. And, and we can easy fall, easily fall into that same trap that we take sin lightly, that we say, you know what, I'm not murdering people, I'm not doing any of these dramatic sins, you know, yeah, so I have a little anger issues, yeah, so I, you know, I'm a little proud or I, you know, struggle with, uh, you know, a little too much of, you know, my addiction to this or that. You know, we try to play it down and, and you know, treat it like it's not any big deal. But yet God hates sin. And God has set us free. He set us free through his own blood being shed, through his own suffering, and he doesn't want us going back into sin. In many ways, we're like the Israelites in the desert, that they were set free from Egypt and they went through the desert and they were headed to the promised land. But yet, what do they say in Exodus 16? It says, And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And so the children of Israel had been set free, but in their wanderings they, wanderings, they had encountered some trouble, encountered some lack of food, and so rather than look to the Lord, they turned around and looked back to their old bondage. And they said, hey, even in Egypt, you know, we had food. And, and yeah, we were enslaved there, but yet we had food and we had these things. They turned around and looked back. But yet what we're called to do is to look forward. If the people of Israel looked forward, they would have seen that, hey, the Lord has promised us something and the Lord has always followed through on his promises and the Lord has promised us a land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land where we will thrive, where we will grow. They should have been looking forward to that, but yet they looked back to their bondage. And we tend to do the same thing. When we come to a stressful situation in life, when we come to a time when we're just feeling overwhelmed, Rather than turn to the Lord, we're often tempted to go back to that old sin, to that old vice that used to make us feel good, that used to help us get through things, that used to help us cope. And so we slip back into sin rather than looking forward to what the Lord has planned for us. And so as Paul says here in verse 19, that we need to make ourselves not slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. Now, as we do all this talk about slaves, some of us may be thinking, well, why do I have to be a slave at all? Can't I be free? You know, this is a free country. Isn't it great to be free? Well, why do we have to be slaves? Well, the truth is that we're all a slave to something. There, there's something in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts that makes the decisions for us. 
And if you look at the decisions that you made today, this past week, or even this, you know, this past year in your lifetime, if you look back at those decisions, what you'll see is with every decision, there were some reasons for making that decision and some reasons against making that decision. And that's, you know, a lot of people recommend if you're struggling to decide on something, you make a list of pros and cons. And those pros and cons, you know, they line up and they fill up. And you maybe on this side you have, oh, well, you know, this is, you know, you know, this side is love for family, where this is maybe service to the church, and this is maybe selfish desires, versus, oh, I'm afraid of what would happen if I go that way. And we have all these different motivations that factor into our decisions. But if we go back and examine our decisions, what we'll find is that we say, okay, well, in this case, you know, this motivation won out over that one. And in another case, this one won out. And it's almost kind of like a sports tournament where you see the big bracket. And, you know, one team keeps winning. And at the end of the day, you see one team that's won all its games and gotten to the end. And if we do that with our lives and our decisions, what we'll see is that there's something in our life that in the end is winning out. And we need to ensure that what is winning out is the Lord. I mean, even for coming to church this morning, a lot of us probably looked at the alarm clock and had to make a decision. You know, what's more important to us, coming here to worship the Lord and being in fellowship with other believers or the comfort and warmth of our own beds at home? Now, the fact that you're all here shows, you know, what decision that many of you made, but it's also possible, you know, since we tend to be very good at deceiving ourselves that, you know, maybe there's someone here who the real reason they came wasn't necessarily because they wanted to worship the Lord, but they came out of fear that their mother, father, you know, uncle, cousin, whatever, would see them not there and then come and harass them later saying, you know, why weren't you at church? And so maybe it's fear that drove some of us here. But whatever it is, we need to examine our motivations. And we need to look at what we are, who we are serving, what is directing our lives. And we need to constantly be fighting because as we go through life, if we just say, you know what, I'm tired, I'm just going to coast, I'm just going to go with it, that's just like a soldier in battle who says, you know what, I'm tired, I'm going to put down my gun, I'm going to rest for a little while, the rest of you guys, you fight, I'm going to take a break. If a soldier does that in battle, he loses the battle and he loses ground. And so in the same way in our lives, if we don't take sin seriously, if we don't keep identifying, rooting out where it is in our lives and how we can get rid of it, then we're going to be losing battles and we're going to lose ground. Now we have the wonderful promise from the Lord that if we have, have truly given our lives to Christ, that we will not lose our salvation. But at the same time, if we continue to allow sin in our lives, we will see all sorts of destruction in not just our lives, but in the lives of those closest to us. And so we need to identify sin, and we need to root it out. If we think back to the American Revolution again, General George Washington led the Continental Army uh, of the Americans. And so Washington was known as a great general, but it's interesting that if you look back at what actually happened, Washington actually lost more battles than he won. And whereas some generals like Napoleon were noted for their strategic and tactical genius, Washington wasn't necessarily noted for that. But he was considered a good general for a variety of reasons, one of which was that he kept his army fighting. They would get beaten time after time, and they would get beaten bad, and they were a bunch of farmers and non-professional soldiers who had you know, wives and people at home to go home to. They had oftentimes had very little food, very little supplies. They were freezing during the winters. But he kept the army together, and he kept on fighting. 
And against all odds, he, he basically kept his army in the fight until the end when they won the war. And so in the same way, we need to have that same type of attitude when we're battling against sin. It's not always going to be easy. It's going to be a constant battle, but we can't give up. We need to keep on fighting. We need to keep on struggling. And so that's the second main point that I want us to walk away with today, is that we need to keep on fighting. We need to live like we're free. We need to keep on fighting against sin. As Paul wrote to Timothy, saying, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life, to which you are also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So how do we fight this fight? We fight it through prayer, through studying God's word, through fellowship with other believers, through worshiping the Lord. Ultimately, we fight it by seeking the Lord's strength and not our own. Because if any of us, by our own strength, by our own abilities, try to, try to fight back against sin, to try to win out, we're ultimately going to fail. We might have little successes, but ultimately we're not going to be able to do it. We're not going to be able to keep sin away. But when we trust in the Lord and we trust in his strength, we can let go of our addictions, of our pride, of all these things which have plagued us our whole lives. And so as we fight, it's sometimes easy to get discouraged. It's easy to feel like, you know, we, we've messed up, like we just can't get ourselves back on our feet. And so I want to share a story, and the story is about an old donkey and an old farmer. Now, the old farmer was working, and one day he forgot to close the gate, so the old donkey got out of the pasture and started to wander through the countryside. Unfortunately, the donkey wasn't really looking where it was going, and it fell into a dried-up well. And so the farmer went out and looked for the donkey, found the donkey in the well, went and got the other farmers, and they all kind of stood around the well looking at it, talking about all these different ideas of how they could get the donkey out of there. But every idea they came up with wasn't a good one. In some way or another, it was going to hurt or maim the donkey, or, you know, it just wasn't going to work. And so the old farmer said, he said, you know what, guys, this is an old donkey. It doesn't have very many seasons of work left in them. In this well, more people are just going to fall into it. So you know what? Let's just, I'm going to cut my losses. Let's fill in the well. We'll bury the donkey, and we'll get on with life. So all the other farmers agreed. They went home, got their shovels, and started shoveling dirt into the well. And as they were doing that, the donkey suddenly started getting hit with these clods of dirt on the head and back and started to panic. And so the old farmer heard the donkey just brain, this, this panicked brain. And he just closed his eyes, shook his head, and kept on shoveling in the dirt. But then as he kept shoveling, the panicked brain stopped. And then the brain started again, but this time it was like this excited, happy brain of the donkey. And the old farmer thought, what's going on? So he went over, he kind of looked down into the, the well, and he watched as clods of dirt came down and hit the donkey on the head, hit the donkey on the back. And what the donkey did, it just shook him off, and then it climbed to the top of the pile. And then more dirt would come down on top of the donkey, and the donkey would shake it off, and he would climb to the top of the pile. And so little bit by little bit, the donkey was escaping the pit. And so as we look at our lives, sometimes we feel like we're that donkey. Sometimes we feel like we've been going through life and just, we've just been beset by temptation and, and we've given into it and we've fallen into that pit of sin. And on top of that, not only are we in the pit, but life just keeps piling on us, throwing clod of dirt after clod of dirt at our head and on our back. And it's easy to give up hope. 
You know, maybe you're in that situation. Maybe you feel like you're in a pit right now. Maybe you have a friend or a loved one who feels that they're in the pit. But know this. God knows your situation. He loves you. He cares about you. He has a plan for you. And he's going to work things out. Paul writes in Romans 8, he's saying, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And God gives us a promise starting back in the Old Testament. He gives it to his people, the Israelites, and then he continues to give it to the church in the New Testament. And that promise is that I will never leave you nor forsake you. We may be in really dark circumstances, but we're never alone. We might feel like that donkey. We're constantly getting piled on, but God has a plan for us. And if you doubt that, I encourage you to ask any uh, any older believer, find an older person who's been walking with the Lord for a, a large per- portion of their life and ask them if the Lord has ever abandoned them, if the Lord has ever turned his back on them, walked away from them. And in my experience, I've talked to a lot of people and every one of them has given a resounding no. Now, God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we expect. doesn't always answer our prayers in the, in the way we want. That donkey probably would have loved for a nice little ramp You know, that he could just walk up and get out of there. But no, he kept on getting hit in the head and the back with clods of dirt. Sometimes the Lord, you know, works through, even through our pain and even through our adversity, the clods of dirt coming at us, and he uses those ways to rescue us, to get us out of the pit. We don't always know how he's going to answer our prayers, but we know that he's with us. We know that he loves us and that he's looking out for us. So even in the pit, we can be at peace. We can be confident. We can bray happily like the donkey, know that the Lord is getting us out of there. And so as we go through life battling, one thing that we wonder is, where is all this battling leading, this constant fighting, which just, it's hard. It's it's not easy. Where does it all lead? And Paul answers that in the, the final few verses of this chapter, in verses 20 to 23, when he says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness, and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So if sin is our master, what do we earn? Death, yes. Okay, if Jesus is our master, what do we earn? Okay, that was a trick question, actually. (laughs) Someone said death, and the key word there is earn. And we need to remember that even with Jesus as our master, there's nothing we can do. We can never be good enough to earn our way into heaven. But yet, if Jesus is our master, this is the final question, what gift can we expect? And that is eternal life. And so Jesus knows that we're going to sin. He knows that we're never going to be able to make ourselves perfect enough, clean enough to go to heaven. And so he came and he died on the cross. He washed away our sins with his blood so that we could have eternal life. And so the third takeaway that I want us to have today is that we need to live like we're free. We need to keep on fighting and we need to remember that freedom isn't free. You know, we love to apply that saying to our nation and to our troops, but it's much more accurate to apply it to our spiritual lives. 
that while this eternal life is a free gift to us, it came with a cost, and that cost was paid by Jesus. Jesus had to suffer, his body was broken, his blood was shed, he was tortured, crucified, and killed. He suffered all that because he loved you, he loved me, he saw our struggle with sin, and he decided to set us free from it. Paul writes a chapter earlier in Romans, in Romans 5, saying, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. And so we need to not be slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. Now, if any of you bristled at the idea of being a slave, let me comfort you with the fact that while we are called to humbly consider ourselves as slaves to God, when God looks at you and looks at me, he sees it slightly differently. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 4 saying, Therefore you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So God has called us to be his children, to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. And so we've been set free from sin. We have this wonderful freedom, which is so much greater than anything we have in the Bill of Rights or any political or earthly freedom. This freedom from sin and this gift of God of eternal life. And so we need to live like we're free. We've been made free. We need to act like it. We need to keep on fighting the good fight, and we need to remember that freedom isn't free, that Jesus paid the price for it. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your incredible love for us. Lord, you saw us living in sin, and you worked in us, Lord, and you worked. You sacrificed yourself on the cross, Lord, to set us free. And so, Lord, having been set free, we pray that we would not be complacent, that we would not take sin lightly yet we would examine our lives, that we would look to, to root out sin wherever it lies in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, help us lit to live like we are free, because we are. Lord, we pray that you would give us the strength to keep on fighting, even day after day, Lord, the devil just keeps on throwing burdens and temptations at us, and this world never seems to let up, but we know that you are strong and you are mighty and that we can trust in you to see us through whatever happens in our lives, Lord, whatever pit we fall into, we know that you can lift us out of. And Father, we celebrate you. We celebrate your incredible love for us and the wonderful gift that you have given us, Lord. And we know that it cost your blood and your body, Lord, and so we just glorify you and thank you for all that you have done. Lord, we know that freedom isn't free. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.